0: Welcome to Spawn, a common sense, generally fun and hopefully helpful discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Liz Gumbener and I'm
1: Kristen Chase and we are the co-founders of coolmompicks.com and today We are talking with Kate DiCamillo about the upcoming Disney Plus film, Flora and Ulysses, based on her award-winning novel, Flora and Ulysses, The Illuminated Adventures. And you know what? Why kids really need superheroes right now. Right, Liz?
0: Uh, Oh, yeah. And as always, we'll close out our show with our cool picks of the week. And we're excited to talk to Kate right after this.
1: This week's episode of Spawn is brought to you by OutSchool, the innovative education platform with so many fans among our team at Cool Mom Picks. We joke that they're not only a sponsor, we're also a client. Ha <laughs> ha, which is true though. This is Kristen and I use them for two of my kids. With so many of our kids exploring new passions and interests these days and parents looking for ways to fill kids' days with activities they enjoy, OutSchool is a terrific option. They offer tons of engaging, interactive, live audience online classes more than 100,000 that allow kids to explore their interests or find new ones with passionate, engaging, vetted instructors who share their interests too. The classes are truly amazing. Whether your kids are interested in Minecraft, Lego, foreign languages, theater, musical instruments, painting, reading, poetry, STEM, they have a class. I love that kids can learn the entire choreography from one Hamilton Broadway number or create their own manga character from a professional anime artist. The classes are just so interesting and it's nice that the classes are live to give kids preschool through high school a chance to connect with other kids who share their interests. To find out more, visit outschool.com. Most classes are just around $10 to $15 each, with some as low as $5. Again, that's outschool.com to see all the cool online courses that might get your child excited about any hobby
0: or interest at all. So let's tell you a little bit more about our guest. I kind of feel like for An audience of parents, Katie Camilla doesn't need an introduction, but we'll give you one anyway. First of all, she was born in Philly, so she's your people, Kristen. Yeah. She grew up in Florida, and now she's talking to us from Minneapolis, where she lives now. She's the author of so many books, beloved by so many young readers, including our own. We're sure you know them. She's been awarded the Newbery Medal for *The Tale of Dustboro* in 2004, and for *Flora and Ulysses: The Illuminated Adventures* in 2014, making her, did you know this, Kristen, one of only two authors to win two Newberry medals. I did not. And she also wrote Because of Win dixie which was the 2001 Newberry Honor Book. My daughter's a huge fan of that. And she wrote the much-lauded titles The Miraculously Journey of Edward Tulane and Bink and Golly, with co-author Allison McGee. She's a National Ambassador for Young People's Literature Emerita, appointed by the Library of Congress. And now... As
1: of a few weeks ago, we can all stream the movie adaptation of Flora and Ulysses on Disney+. And it stars Matilda Lawler as Flora, Allison Hannigan, Ben Schwartz, Danny Pudi, Anna DeVere Smith, Janine Garofalo, and so many comedic greats. It's a New York Times critics pick. It's getting great reviews from both critics and families. And we are so excited, if you couldn't tell, to talk to Kate DiCamillo today. Today.
2: Thank you, Kate. And welcome. welcome. And Katie Camello is so excited to talk to y'all. <laughs> I mean, and, and I'm so excited about that movie. It, and it's so nice to hear you say in the introduction that critics have been positive and that families have loved it too. You know, because I watched it and I just turned into an eight-year-old, which is Aww. just divine. All of my critical self went away and I was just like eight years old and wanting a squirrel. Uh,
0: so. so let <laughs> me just jump right into it. Like, I mean, we're both writers, Kristen and I, we have not had... The experience of having our writing turned into movies like how does that feel does it is it like an out-of-body experience do you do you
2: feel like it's familiar not familiar what what's that like you know I sometimes I say it's kind of like a fever dream but uh, you know I would back up even more and say that I got the idea of, of wanting to be a writer when I was 20 And from the time that I was 20 until I was 30, I told everybody that I was a writer and wore black turtlenecks all the time. (laughs) As um, one does. Yeah, right. And read a lot of books on (laughs) writing and didn't write. And so it wasn't until I was 30 years old that I I actually started to do the work of writing. So, but that long period of wanting to do something and not doing it, there's still a part of me, thus I'm answering your question just in a roundabout way, that can't even believe that what I sit here and write in the morning becomes a book, you know, it still seems miraculous to me that people would read my stories. And then that people can watch something that I have written in the early morning dark and and watch it on a screen and enter into it and become hopefully an eight-year-old the same way I did when I watched it. It's just, it's unbelievable. Uh, And um, the thrill of it never wears off. just doesn't. You know, I'm so grateful. I have the chills just thinking about that.
1: And, you know, you have touched so many people with your books. It must be so exciting to think about touching even more people, perhaps, with the movies. But, you know, I have to take a moment and fangirl a little bit because my daughter, in particular, I have three daughters, but my youngest is 10, and was what I would call a slow-to-love reader, right? Her, Her siblings were voracious readers and advanced readers, and she was a little slow to come to reading. And the Mercy Watson books were so important to her not only just personally because she is an animal lover but also because they really made her feel like she was a good reader and you know admittedly there are some hard names in that book <laughs> so I know, you know it wasn't it wasn't easy easy yeah. reading but I don't know I just have to say like what's that like you must hear that from a lot of families just saying like you made my kid a reader and does that fuel you does that what does that do when you hear stuff like well,
2: that Well, can I I just want to say about Mercy Watson because we were talking about it before we went on that when I wrote the first one of those, it was way longer than an easy reader. And like you said, it had all these words in it that typically you wouldn't put in an easy reader. And I turned it into my agent and she said, I don't know what this is, but I love it. And (laughs) then she turned it into my publisher and they said, we don't know what this is, but we love it and we'll make it work. And they did, they packaged it so beautifully. And part of the reason that I think kids respond to it is because it feels substantial. You know, you're not being condescended to by like you think oh this is just an easy reader right so a kid feels a sense of accomplishment but it, the kids love those books and i've heard siblings recommend them to other siblings and also librarians and teachers have been really instrumental at like getting those into beginning readers hands and yes how does that make me feel when somebody says that or a kid says that to me I mean, it knocked me sideways. I was at the co-op a couple weeks ago, and I gave my, you know, member number, and um, the clerk said they always say your name back, and she said, "Wait a minute," <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, she was like 20 years old, and she's got a mask on and everything, but I can see her eyes are starting to tear up, and she's like, "Are you, are you, the, are you, are you the person who wrote?" and And then she said. Thank you for my childhood. Oh, just oh my like, gosh. Right? It makes me want to cry now thinking about it, but it's just unbelievable. So you got to tell your daughter that I said, hey, and thank you, because we have a connection even though she's never met me. I get to be there with her when she understands mm-hmm. how much mm-hmm. she wants and, and loves to read. I'm there with her and, and that pig is there with her. So tell her, thank you. <laughs> That's
0: beautiful. You know, it reminds me, my mom is a an educator her whole life. She used to be a classroom teacher and now she works with other teachers. And she always talks about that feeling of knowing she's part of someone's life story, that you hope you touch a kid where one day they'll say like, I still remember this third grade teacher who helped me do this, or I was still influenced by someone who did this. And you know, I never thought about it the same way as a children's author, that you, you are a part of their childhood in some way. And that who knows where that
2: may lead. Right. And in the same way as with the teacher, I talked to a group of teachers a couple days ago on Zoom. And I said to them what I usually say in person, which is, you know, I I think about my second grade teacher, Mrs. Boyette, and uh, she read aloud to us every day after lunch. And I, you know, I just lived for her reading those stories out loud. And it never, ever occurred to me to say, hey, thank you, Mrs. Boyette, Right. And so by the time it occurred to me how instrumental that had been in shaping me and how much it had mattered to me, you know, Mrs. Boyette was long gone. So I I feel like part of what I get to do when I talk to people is to say thank you for all those teachers who are out there and parents. Gosh, it matters so much reading aloud to your kids. It is changing lives and you just no one's going to think to thank you for a long, long time, you know. So I'll thank you.
0: I think that's beautiful. Here's what I'm curious about. So we often hear as writers, like we're writers, we know we have a lot of writers who listen and, you know, you hear write what you know. I know that that's not always the case, but I'm kind of wondering, like as a cool aunt of three kids, if they factor into your stories in any way, Or you're inspired
2: by them? Or do you imagine them reading the books? You know, I think that what works for me, and and y'all know as writers, that it is such an individual thing um, and that any kind of like, you should do it this way and this, because it's just like, you kind of have to find your own way with it. But if I think, oh, I'm telling this story For somebody, a particular person or for a particular group, it gets in the way of the story. I always feel like the story is smarter than I am and that my job is to get out of my way and all of the people that I want to please, including myself, and get in touch with the story, which can lead me through it if I get my ego and what I want to get done out of the way. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> and if I ever think about anybody, it's that eight-year-old kid in me is surely a part of why I do it, but I don't think, oh, I'm writing this for you. But I, that's kind of maybe somewhere at the back of my mind. Do you all know George Saunders? He, he writes for adults, but he's got this fantastic uh, book on writing called a swim in the pond in the rain that just came out in January, um, and it is one of the best books that I know on writing. Go to your your local bookstore and get a copy, George Saunders. I
0: have it up in my browser right it now. It is so spectacular
2: <laughs> um, and just brilliant. And it literally it, just you know, came out. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. All right, uh, I'll
1: shut up now. Let's- <laughs> Now's not the time to do that, Kate, because we're going to talk about Flora and Ulysses. So for our listeners who might not have yet discovered this incredible book, um, without giving too much away, it's about a cynical, witty 10-year-old girl named Flora who's an avid comic book fan. And soon after her parents separate, she rescues a squirrel who she names Ulysses and then discovers he possesses some outrageous superhero powers and he helps her discover the value of hope. So we have to ask, did you have a very persistent squirrel like that <laughs> lived near you? Like, like, I, I, did you have an imaginary superhero squirrel
2: friend? Like, where did this come from? <laughs> right. This is like I and I will. I just promised you that I was going to be quiet. Now I'm going to go into a really long answer again, because there's no short answer for where this story came from. So my mother passed away in 2009. And in the last year of her life, she would say to me often, what's going to happen to the vacuum cleaner when I'm gone? And I, she had this tank Electrolux that she just loved. She'd had it for like 40 years. She thought it was the best vacuum cleaner ever. And I would always say to her, <laughs> Why are we talking about the vacuum cleaner? I'll take the vacuum cleaner. I promise you. Don't worry about the vacuum cleaner. We got bigger problems to worry about. So when she did pass away, I did as I promised. I took the vacuum cleaner. I had to put it in my garage because my mom had a cat and I'm allergic to cats. My mom, my mother had the world's most evil cat, but that's a different story. <laughs> named Mildew. Mildew. I mean, like, I mean, like I could tell oh you Oh my gosh. Stories wait, that was the cat's name? The cat's, the cat's name, name was yeah. Mildew? Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. I thought I had the most evil cat. We're going to have to compare notes because I had a cat named Desdemona and I, Des- I wrote an essay called The Devil Wears Dander about my cat.
2: She was so evil. <laughs> <laughs> oh my so, gosh. so okay so the vacuum cleaner is in the garage because i can't bring it in the house because of all the cat dander in it and every time i pull it into the garage i'd see it and it just it made my heart hurt right it made me miss my mother so that's part one is the vacuum cleaner which is in the inception of the story and the part two is the spring after my mother died there was a squirrel on the front steps of my house who was clearly unwell. And it looked like he was dying. I didn't see any blood, but I Aww. but he was still breathing and he wouldn't let me get really close to him. And I didn't know what to do. And so I called one of my best friends who lives uh, a block away and who's asked me not to say her name anymore when I tell this story. <laughs> um, so um, I called Carla, who really is a kind, gentle person. And I said to her, there's a squirrel dying on my front steps and I don't know what to do. And she said, do you have a shovel? <gasps> and I'm like, yeah, I've got a shovel. And she's like, get an old t-shirt, get the shovel, and I'll come over there and, quote, whack him over the head, unquote. Oh, dear. And I was very close to the squirrel when this conversation was going on. And I'm sure he heard what she said. Because when (laughs) I went through, looked out the window at the front steps, and guess what? He's gone.
1: He's
2: like, not me. Oh, my God. Yeah. So the whole thing made me, made me think about um, E.B. White and and how his essay, Death of a Pig, y'all know that uh-huh. essay, which is so beautiful. And I went looking for that. And then I started to think about how E.B. White said that he wrote Charlotte's Web. He was going out to feed the pigs once and he thought about ways to save a pig's life. And I thought about ways to save a squirrel's life. And so I combined it with a vacuum cleaner in the garage because there's something wrong with my brain. And here we are, <laughs> back the sucks up the squirrel and turns it into a superhero and also gets me through this, you know, the grieving period with my mom because she was somebody who loved to laugh. Mm. And so I, as I was working on the story, I thought, oh, this would make her laugh. So,
0: you know, that's so interesting. Indeed. I mean, I didn't know that would be your answer when I wrote the next <laughs> question, which is like it's it's actually amazing. You gave me the best segue. So right now kids are grieving, right? They've lost a lot in the last year and there's so much going on in the world that they're out of control. And I feel like this is a really good time for superheroes in kids' lives. And so... You know, while the story is timeless, and I kind of think of it like a a new classic, as they say, it just feels extra timely right now with what's going on. So I just like your thoughts on that, like the meaning of superheroes to kids and stories.
2: Yeah. And, you know, as an adult, I feel the need of superheroes. And you're right, we're all grieving and we all feel that loss of control. And you're right, it is such a good segue. Because I think that writing myself out of that grief is part of what can happen here. It's just like writing this story after my mom died brought me back to laughter Mm. and reminded me of the power of telling a story, right? Of sitting down and telling a story. And the same thing happens to us when we read a book, whether we read it with somebody or read it by ourselves, it connects us to each other. And that's what happens. This is one of the beautiful things about this movie. That's what happens with this movie, too. You feel more connected to the people that you're watching it with because it's such a loving movie. The superhero powers, I think, of this particular book slash movie are love and connection and poetry and community. And those are the things that we all really need right now. Yes, absolutely.
0: And that's what good stories do for us. They let us go to other places Mm -hmm. when we can't go there for real right now.
2: (laughs) Right. I also think a good story helps us locate ourselves Mm -hmm. I know for me personally as a reader, because reading, that's the first way I would define myself as I'm a reader. I would say that before I'd say I'm a writer, is I feel like I enter my body when I'm reading. It grounds me, it centers me. And we really need to be that way now too. It's a practice of mindfulness almost for me. And that's helpful if we can be in the moment and be in our bodies now and be present for all of this. I think that's
0: beautiful. I, I love
1: the way that you're looking at that. And it is, especially where I think so many of us, and I know you know, most of our listeners are parents. And unfortunately, I find that reading is one of the things that we don't do as much of as we get older in some ways. You know, we're we're trying to get our kids to read. We've got 400,000 other things. I know both Liz and I have started listening to more audiobooks. I've actually started reading and kind of doing a book club with my 12-year-old daughter, not only to connect with her, but to, you know, get myself reading more. But I I love seeing it in a way as like radical self-care, right, as a means to center ourselves and bring ourselves together, which is fascinating because we're actually going other places, right? In the books, they're taking us away to somewhere else. And the idea that it can take us away to somewhere else but allow us to be more present in our lives is something that you can't really say about too much, Right? Like, I don't, I can't imagine that there are many other things that that really do that.
2: I, I like that. And I'm listening to that. And I'm also thinking about when I was ambassador for young people's literature, parents would always say, Well, I don't know how to get my kid to read. And to me, one of the things that I kept on coming back to is like reminding everybody, kids and parents, what a privilege it is to have a book and to be able to read and what a joy, but also let your kids see you reading for yourself, you know, as Mm -hmm. that reward at the end of the day, uh, as a way to like decompress and center yourself. Let let your kids see that reading matters to you. Don't send Mm -hmm. them off to the room and say, you better do your 30 minutes of reading or else, you know, but oh boy, you get to do this. What a privilege it is that you have a book and that you can read it. And the time to read it. And also, look, I'm going to read my book now, too. Well,
1: you know, that's you and LeVar Burton, two very important people in the reading world who I will listen to when it comes to reading. He actually said the same thing to us when he was on our podcast a few years ago. And I, I don't know about you, Liz, but I know that really stuck yes, with me. That's the first Just thing I thought because, of. <laughs> right. We're so focused. We're so focused on like, you got to read, you got to read, you got to read. And with so many other things in parenting, you know, we think about it, screen time, taking care of your health and your physical fitness and your own feelings like you need to set the model for your kids, and certainly reading applies. So let's talk a little bit more about young heroines. Okay, so we can say the story isn't necessarily considered for girls, right? But we have a young heroine, which we love. And I'm wondering from your perspective, what are your thoughts about representation? You know, is this still an issue overall? Do you feel like publishers and then movie makers are trying to seek out stories with more diverse heroes and heroines?
2: I think that things are changing. Mm -hmm. And I think that everybody is paying more attention to that. And what a thrill it is to be alive now and working and to watch the change coming and it's so overdue you know lena khan directed this movie so it's a female director and that slow shift is happening and again back to the eight-year-old me I think about what it would have meant to me as Mm -hmm. an eight-year-old girl to sit and see that, how empowering it would have been, you know? And I can't come up with anything, I mean, certainly nothing on screen when I was eight years old, and when I think... Through the books, there was, well, Pippi Longstocking. She was pretty empowering. Oh, my gosh. I totally slept with my
1: feet on my pillow. Like, seriously. (laughs) There was no arguing with me about that. I was like,
0: this girl with her crazy hair sleeps (gasps) with her feet on her pillow, and I'm doing it, too. I did, too, and I swear I did not remember that until just now. (laughs) You completely brought that
2: back. Holy cow. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Pippi did whatever Pippi wanted to do you know, and it was yes, just like... she you know? did. Yeah. Right, but can we, can we
1: just also talk about how, like, she was basically, like, an abandoned child raising herself? Like, I love, <laughs> I love all these old stories, right, that, like, it's like, she's empowered, she's strong, she does what she wants, and also, like, is raising herself, which is kind of scary and sad. She's like the precursor to <laughs> Dora the Explorer with no parents around. <laughs> or, like, Max and Ruby, right? Like, Max and Ruby, like, they were just going grocery shopping, like, Max didn't even talk, and they out and about and you're just like where are your parents children where where is your family who has abandoned you but yeah that pippi I know like it's so funny that you say that because right Liz like I think a pippi and I was like she is amazing I wanted
0: to be her so badly so badly Ramona Quimby Harriet the Spy like they were great Ramona
2: Quimby yeah yeah, my dog, yes. my dog is yes. named Ramona in honor of Ramona Quimby. Um, so yes, although Ramona, the dog is not here right now because we all know how it goes recording with dogs. Not <laughs> yes. Good.
1: We do.
0: We're in the Zoom Aids. I think our <laughs> listeners are very forgiving of whatever might be going on in the background these days.
1: <laughs> I know. My kids come over and slide stuff under the door. And they like do like the whole, you know, when you're in school and it was like, do you like me? Check yes or no. And, but they do. They do like, can I please have $10 for Minecraft? While you're, you're recording? You're the best mom in the world. <laughs> Yes, while I'm recording. It slides under my closet door.
2: Now, now all we need to do is to teach the dogs to slide the notes. Under yes. the yes.
0: Need
1: food. Yes. yes. No. Yes. Well, we will be the first ones to break the news about your new dogs and podcasting book, Kate. So please make sure to hit us up if you ever write a book about a podcasting dog.
0: So, Kate, let me ask you one more question because I feel like you can be a very objective voice to maybe end this debate. So you are both an author and now responsible for one on your way to two very successful films. So I'd like to know where you stand. on the rule some parents have about reading the book
2: first before you see the movie. One, I'm deeply moved that you think that I can be objective because what a (laughs) (laughs) And two, I truly believe this. One of the best ways to let a kid read is to let a kid read. And and it's the same way I feel about writing. You know, when I always say there's no right or wrong way to do it, except if you want to do it and you're not doing it, that's wrong. But otherwise, it's like it's a journey and you need to figure out what works for you. I feel the same with kids and reading. So if I had a child and if the child came home, holding I don't know what to kill a mockingbird and they said oh we're going to watch the movie and I would go no 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 no! you have to read the book first I wouldn't do it I would say read whatever you want to read and we'll watch it whenever I just never want to get in the way of the reading journey and I also think from like my little bit of experience with books and movies they are such different art forms and it's like a kid said to me once in a signing line it's like jazz it's like the mm. themes are the, the melody." is still there, Mm. but it's a very, it's a different, you know, and so you want to say, do both but you don't have to do them in any order. Now, how did what kind of uh, fight did I get in the middle of there? No,
0: none at all. <laughs> I, I, well. said to, I said something about recently in a post about, you know, reading the book first, and a, a few people really challenged me on that. And I thought, okay, okay. And then my daughter, who's recently rediscovered <laughs> Harry Potter, she never actually read all the books, but she, I don't know, on TikTok, there's like a big Harry Potter stand kind of community. And so she's, she's rediscovered Harry Potter. And because she's been watching the movies, she... On her own, just started picking up those giant, like, volume three, volume four, and reading them on her own. And I thought, okay, whatever works. Yeah, that happened in my house, too.
2: I love that. And that's one of the things about movies that's so great. And I'm not even being crass when I say this, but it is just, it's a big advertisement for the book. For people (laughs) who might, Mm -hmm. you know, they might never find their way to the book, they'll go look for the book and the book will lead to Mm -hmm, another book mm -hmm. maybe, you know? Oh,
1: I mean, that's totally what
2: happens. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, that happened in my house for sure. I mean, my daughter, same thing, Harry Potter stand thanks to TikTok and is now reading fan fiction. She decided that she really loves the enemies to lovers trope. (laughs) So now we are actually reading Pride and Prejudice together. So that happened. Which is fascinating to me. And she was like, I was like, it's a great movie. You just want to watch it. And she's like, she looked at me with horror and was like, no, we're reading the book first. And I was like, all right, we're going to make our way through some Jane Austen, you know. And then my oldest, because she was my oldest, and this is what we do with our older children. She was like, mom. You made me read all the books before (laughs) I could watch the movies, and now they're just watching movies (laughs) willy-nilly. This is ridiculous.
2: (laughs) <laughs> but how fun to do Jane Austen with her, and Jane Austen is so much fun to read. Yes, I mean it's yes. just it's so readable. I'm smiling at you. Um, you can't tell.
1: I'm excited. You know, and and I have to say that I love this perspective because this has been around for a while. I think this is a big argument, right, Liz? I feel like the whole read the book first it thing. Is, it's a debate. Yeah, it is a big debate. So I love that you're weighing in, and basically, like I'm not Solomoning this cat, Kristen and Liz. <laughs> <laughs> This is it. <laughs> you. This is my answer. You can watch the movies. You can read the books. And speaking of the movies, so let's just say for everybody out there, Flora and Ulysses, Disney Plus. You can learn more about it if you go to the Disney Plus website. You can check out their Instagram feed. There's a hashtag, Flora and Ulysses. You know, we are big fans of this cast. We're so, so excited about this. And Kate, where can folks find you? We know where to find this movie. We know where to find the book. But what about
2: you? Where can people find you? I always say the best. Part of me you can find in the books, but I also um, there's a Facebook page and, and I post there once a week. And mostly you can find me down here where I am right now in my little office in the early morning hours, tapping away quietly like a little chipmunk trying to write a story. That's mostly where I am.
0: Good advice for us as writers <laughs> to spend more time writing the stories and not writing on the Facebook. <laughs> so Kate, we're excited you're going to stick around with us for Cool Picks of the Week because we know you're going to have a good one. Yes. Well, now it is time for...
2: Cool Picks of the Week! Cool Picks of the Week! As our guest, you get to go first. Okay, so I have to say before I lead into this, before the pandemic, I was infamous for never cooking anything. I mean, like nothing. And so now I shock and awe everybody because I, I started to make peanut butter cookies, and they're gluten free because I've been gluten free for a little bit now. And every time I make them, everybody screams because they can't believe I'm making something. But they're <laughs> so <laughs> you're <good>. me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like what you made cookies it's the end of the world and then I like run around like you know with them in a, in a warm napkin and it's just like it's the best thing ever and I just I found this by I googled uh, flourless peanut butter cookies and it's just so easy it's peanut butter and oatmeal I substitute honey for the sugar and um, then you can just put all kinds of other stuff in there. I'm always mixing it up. It's just like I put chia seeds in there and walnuts and granola. Oh, and there's eggs in there too. I
0: can't wait. to. Okay. We're going to get that from you and we will link it up on our podcast page because I know people oh, are going to want to try your recipe. And Kristen, you're gluten-free, so you're going to want to try it too. Yes. I am super, super excited about it. Liz, what about you? What's what's your call? Yeah, pick so, of the week. you know, To be honest, I was worried that I had picked this once before, but even if I have, I've rediscovered it, so I'm sharing it anyway. So you know that I've talked about becoming like a scented candle person over the pandemic much to my great surprise because <laughs> I always thought like scented candle people were like a type of people well now it's like oh I always have done scented candles anyway I've also done the same with essential oils and there's a brand called aura cassia I hope I'm saying that right c-a-c-i-a and they have the most amazing blend it's called chill pill And it comes in like, you know, little drops or you can get it as a roll-on. And I put it like every night before bed and I get, it's like my little ritual now. I just like put a little bit on my wrist and I just smell it for like 60 seconds and breathe. It's so nice. It's like a lavender, but it's also got like citrus and some herbal stuff in it. I don't like really sweet smells and it's amazing. And it does, it just chills you out. So I I love this brand. And I've I've tried some essential oils that are horrible. Like when my daughter went through the slime phase and she's like, we need, the chocolate chip cookie essential oil like that was horrendous
1: (laughs) Never get that. Ah, uh, the slime phase. <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to have to check that out. I need a few yeah, chill I'll put pills. It, I'll put it also on our <laughs>
0: podcast page. Awesome. It's called Chill Pill. It's really good. How about you? All right, so my cool pick of the week is Expressy.
1: It's Essie's new-ish one-minute quick dry nail polish, and it totally works. Like, Ooh. everyone says it's quick dry, but it actually works so I can give myself, because I haven't been to a spa in a very long time, so I can actually give my own self a manicure. It doesn't last a super long time because like I also have to live my life, which means like I'm a writer and I have four children. So like, I don't know, the next day it's chipping, but it doesn't matter because you can just reapply. It's super easy. It really, really works. And I haven't found anything that works. So we'll link that up on our site, of course, but I love it. Yeah,
0: I've started doing manicures recently just like really for something to do, but I've never really been a nail polish person on my fingertips because I type so much that I just ruin it.
2: Kate, do you do your nails? No. No, I don't. And for that very reason, it's just like it's uh, there's so much time typing, you know? Yeah, it's it's not. But good. I wrote it but... down. I wrote it down. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's well, if I'm it's, yeah. doing it myself. I feel like I'm not wasting money. It's not like I went to a salon and got a manicure and then, oh, it's gone the next day because I had to write 5000 words. So <laughs> maybe it's, it's like, yeah, why not? It, it'll go away in a day. Thank you so much to all of you for joining us for another episode of Spawn. Huge thanks, of course, to our guest, Kate Camillo and to our awesome engineer, John Bowen. If you've got a moment and you can
1: leave us a five-star review, we would be eternally grateful for just that one little click. You know, you can also subscribe, you can download our episodes, and all of those little actions actually add up and help us to reach other listeners just like you. And if you like what you hear on Spawned, don't forget, we have another podcast. It's called OutTech Your Kids, and in 15 minutes or less, we answer your burning digital parent and tech questions. So make sure you're listening to that podcast, too. And you can join us on Facebook. We have both a spawned podcast community and an OutTech Your Kids group where we
0: chat about everything. Yeah, we've had some fun episodes lately. I love the one where we shared just like the six favorite apps that we happen to be using like completely randomly. (laughs) People love
1: that one. I know. There's so much fun things to talk about. So, you know, we can only do so much here on the podcast. So head over to Facebook, you can look for Spawn and out-tech your kids pretty easily just by searching those names. Thanks so much for listening to Spawned. This is Kristen. And
2: this is
0: Liz. Have a great day. Bye.